Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from John chapter 20 verses 19 and 20 and verses 24 through 29. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. This is God's word to God's people. Thank you. 
So last week being Easter, uh, our family heads to our house because of the fact that I'm, I'm at work until 12.30 or so. So everyone descends at the, at, to the house. Thankfully, Warren and my father make the meal, so I just get to show up and set the table. Um, and if I were thinking ahead, I could have done that on Saturday, but I didn't. So Sunday when I got home, I, I went about moving the table around, making sure we had enough chairs, and Maya comes running into the room going, Mommy, I found the perfect candle. I was like, okay. She's like, this candle has to go on the table right in front of me. I'm going to sit here, and the candle's going to go there. I was like, all right, we can do that. And then the cousins arrive, and the auntie and the uncle arrive, and we're talking about excitement and presents and the Easter bunny and everything else. We get the meal ready. We sit down at the table. We say our grace, and we never light the candle. I realized this about... 10 o'clock at night, and I was like, oh, I wonder if there's going to be a conversation about this later. And there was. And these conversations usually take place on our way to preschool in the morning. And she goes, Mommy, we put a candle on the table, and I was hoping we were going to light it. And I was like, I know, sweetie. I'm so sorry that I forgot to light it. She's like, but I wanted to make sure that Jesus was with us at our Easter dinner. Oh, Mommy's heart is melting, and I'm just like, overwhelmed with joy and pleasure and whatever word you want to put there for the fact that my daughter is, is engaging in her faith in some real and tangible way at five years old. And I was like, well, when we have dinner tonight, do you want to light the candle tonight? She's like, yes, let's do that. And so we got to dinner on Monday night and we come to the table. She's like, okay, mommy, the candle's here. We got our food. And I was like, okay, are you going to say a prayer when we light the candle? And she says, yes. She goes, thank you for today, thank you for tomorrow, thank you for Jesus. And I was like, all right, well, she's got the prayer that I'm teaching her down, so we're good to go on that one, and we light the candle. At the end of the meal, she then goes, before we blow it out, we should thank Jesus for coming. It's like, well, all right. My daughter's got this. She should be preaching the sermon today. Um, and... I, so she, she thanked Jesus for coming, extinguished the candle. The next morning she goes, Mommy, I'm really glad that we lit the candle. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad to hear that. And then she goes, but I was really hoping that Jesus would walk into the room and sit down with us. <laughs> I wanted to see Jesus face to face. But I, I looked at her and I was like, you know, I would love to see Jesus face to face too, but I don't think that's going to happen until I go to heaven. So I... I but I believe that Jesus will be there when I get there. And she's like, well, and I also told her that I don't want to go to heaven anytime soon because I'm having too much fun being her mom. Um, and she's like, well, I don't want you to go to heaven anytime soon either, but I really want to see Jesus face to face. I think that that's kind of what Thomas was feeling when he heard that all of his friends had seen Jesus. He had the first post-resurrection FOMO. Does anyone know what FOMO is? fear of missing out. He was afraid that he had missed out on the experience of being able to be face-to-face -face with Jesus and hear Jesus' blessing of peace. Now, to give context, when Jesus appeared to Thomas, it would have been tonight. So a week later, because the first time that he appeared to the disciples was the same night that he had arisen the morning of that morning when he was not in the tomb, when he saw Mary 
he asked her who she was looking for and when he called her by name. And then he told her to go tell the others. So the others kind of knew that Jesus had, had risen from the dead and that she had seen them. But then they got to see him, him themselves. And Thomas, I got to believe that he was so disappointed. I, I, and I got to believe that if I was in Thomas's shoes, I probably would have done the same thing. Kind of thrown a little tantrum. Well, unless I see for myself, I'm not going to believe. He's lucky that we have a God of grace who says, okay, I'll make that possible for you. But he does it in such a way that he also extends another message. He doesn't just say, I'm going to be here and make myself relevant to you. But there's a blessing in people who won't have the opportunity to see me face to face, but still come to believe. We as disciples are in this, are on that path. We have not seen Jesus face to face, but we have come to believe. And we realize that as we come to believe, we need tools to hold on to God's steadfast love. We recognize that we need the resources so that we have a deep rootedness in our faith, knowing that God will be present to us. As I was processing ideas and thoughts for, for this Sunday, Gloria and I were talking about music selections and possibilities, and she, she calls me and goes, Rachel, have you heard of this song? Now, we're not going to sing the song because I didn't give her enough time. Sorry. Um, but I want you to hear the words to this song that come from a really impressive place. The words um, for a song entitled Inscription of Hope come from an inscription that was found on a wall in Cologne, Germany, as U.S. soldiers were going through um, the town after it had been bombed and everything during World War II, looking for survivors. And as they were looking for survivors, they came across a hidden room that had these words inscribed on the wall. I believe in the sun even when it is not shining, and I believe in love even when there's no one there, and I believe in God even when he is silent. And some people say that this next line was in there, and some people say that it was added later. I believe through any trial there is always a way. To be at the darkest, hardest point of your life and have that assurance that God is present as you are sequestered for weeks, months, and years at a time. To probably not have seen the sun in that long, but to know that it was there and to have that same confidence that God was present in their lives, even though it was a dark period of their lives, is a testament to the rootedness of faith the confidence that God was present to them. We all seek that rootedness regardless of our faith tradition, regardless of we're, if we're Jewish or Muslim or Christian or Buddhist or add any other religious tradition there. We're looking for a confidence, a steadfastness that God is present. And the ways that we develop that steadfastness is by having tools in our arsenal or tools in our tool belt so that we can go to and rely on them when the going gets tough. That's what the core principles 
have been about over the last several months. They have been about us making sure that we have the tools that we need so that we can experience God when the going gets tough, when we're in a dark place, when we feel like we haven't experienced that resurrection that John referenced in his prayer this morning, that we still need to experience something new. But if we have the tools, if we have the resources, then we will have a rootedness that tells us that God says, peace be with you. I will be with you. If you do not hear me, I am still there. And when the time is right, you will hear my voice. Over the course of the last few weeks, we've talked about the fact that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Jesus died to give us new life. Jesus gave us a new opportunity, a fresh start, and a chance to begin again. And for that, we say thank you. And when we recognize that, we say, I want to follow you. I want to be a person that lives by your example and a person who, who strives to bring, the world, bring to the world what you are striving to do. And then once we claim that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and that we're going to follow him, there's some things that we can do to be better in touch with God. And that it's all about love, right? It's about loving God and loving our neighbors. Those things that we do for personal devotion and public worship, or I like to say private devotion and, and public devotion, because I feel like the things that we talked about in our classes in those two weeks of loving God can go hand in hand and can happen in both places. During private devotion, we talked about Bible study and prayer and reading books that help us grow in our faith, among other things. But when we do those in a group of people, they can be richer and stronger than when we do them on our own. It's good to be listening to what the Spirit says to us, but sometimes the Spirit talks through other people. So when we sit down and say, we just read this passage and this means this to me, and someone else goes, oh, I didn't read it this way. This means this to me. You might have an epiphany that takes your faith one step further than you had it before. Similarly, I don't define worship as just the hour that we spend together on a Sunday morning. Our whole lives can be worship by the ways in which we choose to interact with other people and give honor to God in all we do. We limit what public devotion looks like when we say that it can only be one thing. We need to give the space for the spirit to move, to flow, to allow us to grow into who we are supposed to be. But when we take that time to do that devotion, those acts of piety that we were talking about, we have the time to connect with God. But sometimes we connect to God by showing our love and displaying our love to the people in the world around us. When, in the sermon series, we talked about acts of compassion and acts of social justice. In Wesleyan terms, we would call all of those acts of mercy. I define it, and this is a little bit different than how we talked about it in our classes, I define acts of compassion, in addition to the small things that we feel inspired to do by ourselves, I also define that as community service. When we choose to join with other people to use our hands and the skills of our body to, to make the world a better place by helping, helping out, whether it's building a fence or painting a building, re-roofing a house, 
mowing a lawn, all of those examples that we talk about, anytime that we give to others in a personal way, those are community service opportunities and acts of compassion. When we join our voices together to make a stand on something, we, we allow our group to, to hopefully make systemic change. And sometimes we make those stands on our own. Warren teases me over and over again because I refuse to go through a self-checkout line. And it's not because I want someone to serve me, it's because I don't want someone to lose a job because I'm doing it, myself, doing it for them. And that's my own personal conviction. Each of us have our own personal convictions. So we can make a social justice stand on our own, or we can join together with a group of people to try to create change. And when we do that, we are working to bring about the kingdom of God in our place. Our church has a rich history of working to make the world better, striving to live into what we believe is the biblical understanding of how we're supposed to interact with others, how we're supposed to love others, and how we're supposed to welcome people. In your order of worship in a few minutes, we're not there yet, there's a litany in there that I'm going to invite you to say with me that is our call to be a witness to the world, to work together to build the kingdom of God, to work to make sure that God is made known to those places where the light is not shining yet. And when we work together to do that, we grow in who we are as well. I, and then the last core principle, I keep on forgetting to say this one, but the last core principle is, is that the church is your your training base and mission center. Nope, training center and mission base. Whichever way those centers and bases go in that, in that order. But this is the place where you come to get the tools, as I said before, and to be sent out into the world. We are a community together that works to nourish one another, to engage one another, and to help each of us grow into who we're going to be. As I've been praying about this over the last couple of days and weeks, I have begun to feel like the core principles of discipleship are kind of like our stretches. And you guys might get that in a couple seconds. If you were at Dr. B's uh, seminar on Tuesday, you might get that as well. But they're the stretches that you do to, to grow into who you're supposed to be as a person. Over the last month and a half, I've been dealing with sciatica pain. Most of you, I, I, I'm not showing any symptoms of it right now, which is very thick. I'm very thankful for. Um, but it's a pain that started out in my hip and my, my lower back, and then I was like, oh, great. I've walked too much, and I'm doing something wrong with my walking. I'm wearing the wrong shoes. I'm going to be that person that needs a hip replacement before she's 50. <laughs> and then the pain started migrating down my leg, and I went, mm, I don't think that's my hip. And then it went all the way to my foot, and I was like, what the heck is happening? And I was pretty miserable during Holy Week, and I said, I've got to do something about this. So I went to the chiropractor, and immediately I was given a bunch of stretches and reminded that when our body wants to be without pain, so if we harness our body and hold our body back in some way, it, it, you won't experience pain, but you'll lose the mobility in that part of your body that you stop moving. Similarly, if if we stop engaging our faith, doing those acts of devotion and worship, um, the, the acts of compassion and the acts of justice, our faith can atrophy in some ways. Our faith can, can lessen. Each morning when I wake up, I'm lucky if I can move my knee an inch without it being painful. But by the end of the day, because I've 
do, do, I've been doing my due diligence, that's the word I was looking for, um, in doing my exercises. And the knee that could not move before can come all the way to my chest. And it's because I'm doing the exercises and the practices. When we take the time to do our exercises and practices of faith, we become stronger. I know that my mobility is going to improve as the pain and the nerve that's being pinched is taken care of, and that I will be stronger because I'm doing the exercises now. When we do the exercises of studying the Bible, being in prayer, discussing our faith with other people, and serving God, we're doing the exercises so that we can listen for the Holy Spirit better, so that we can be aware of how God is alive and active in our lives, so that we can hear when God says to us in small, silent, quiet ways, now's the time to stand up. Now's the time to to make a change. Now's the time to go up to that stranger that you don't know and offer to sit down and have a meal with them. The part of the scripture that we omitted this morning was where Jesus offered the disciples the Holy Spirit and gave them the gift of the Spirit. We have been given the gift of the Spirit as well, but it's only when we listen to God and listen for those moments, have our our the ears of our heart open. I loved it when you said that in the prayer this morning. When we have the ears of our heart open, that we can respond faithfully to God's call in our lives. And we are better equipped to do that when we embrace the core principles and see the ways in which that helps us to grow in our faith, in our stewardship, in our discipleship of who calls us to be, who God calls us to be. Amen? Amen. All right. Will you guys join me in the litany printed in your bulletin? And just so you know, we don't have one and all printed there, but I'll do the standard thing where I do the unbolded part, you guys do the bolded part. There is a page turn, but conveniently, your next line is the same thing that you say the three times beforehand. So it should be relatively okay. Let us go to God in prayer. God and God in the Spirit revealed in Jesus Christ calls us by grace. Today is the day God cares for the integrity of creation, wills the healing and wholeness of all life, weeps at the plunder of earth's goodness. And so shall we. Today is the day God embraces all hues of humanity, delights in diversity and difference, favors solidarity, transforming strangers into friends. And so shall we. Today is the day God cries with the masses of starving people, despises growing disparity between rich and poor, demands justice for workers in the marketplace. And so shall we. Today is the day God deplores violence in our homes and streets, rebukes the world's warring madness, humbles the powerful, and lifts up the lowly. And so shall we. Today is the day God calls for nations and peoples to live in peace, celebrates when justice and mercy embrace, exults when the wolf grazes with the lamb. Today is the day God brings good news to the poor, proclaims release to the captives, gives sight to the blind, and sets the oppressed free. And so shall we. Amen.